Today's video is brought to you by storyboardthat.com. Please visit teachercast.net slash storyboardthat for a limited time offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of the Tech Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and today we are talking all about audio. We have a great panel tonight to discuss podcasting audio, classroom audio, and how you can have amazing-sounding audio on your shows and in your classroom. We have a fantastic panel tonight. I want to bring on our co-host tonight, uh, Mr. Chris Nessie. How are you today? How are things in the world of how, in, in the house of EdTech? Everything is great, Jeff. It's a uh... It's another beautiful Sunday here in New Jersey, as you know, and episode 15 of the House of EdTech podcast was released today. So I saw that. Everybody who's watching, thank you, and, and you tweeted that. Thank you for the uh, the shout out. I love it always. Who was your guest um, on the show? Uh, this week I had Shahar Pesis. Mm -hmm. He is the founder and CEO of Wibkey, and that's Wibkey.com. So it's a fantastic interview, and uh, some great content that teachers need to go check out. Nice. Also joining us tonight is Jeff Herb. Jeff, how are you today? Doing very well, Jeff. Good to be on the show. How are you doing? Doing well. You're uh, coming closer to that magical day. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting prepared and ready. We're about two weeks and counting, so I guess it could be any minute at this point. I'm not scaring you with the uh, sounds of uh, crying babies on the microphone <laughs> here, am I? No, I think it's good preparation. Nice. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Uh, Sam Patterson, how are things out in California? Things in California are great. I just got back from BLC in Boston. That was an amazing conference. And right after the podcast, I'm heading to Vegas for Q Rockstar Vegas. That is awesome. What are you guys going to be doing in, in a, at, at Q Rockstar? Uh, Q Rockstar Vegas, I'm going to run three sessions. I've got a session on K5 programming, a session on Blogger, and then one called StemBot 3000. That's pretty cool. Looking forward to reading your blogs over on mypaperlessclassroom.org. Good stuff over there. Com, yes. Dot com. How, how are those edu puppets doing? <laughs> They're doing very well. They're all packed up and ready to go. Very, very cool. We have a great guest on tonight. He is the the host of several oh, oh, amazing podcasts. One of them is called The Audacity to Podcast. I want to bring on a very special guest, Mr. Daniel J. Lewis. Daniel, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to talk about podcasting, audio, and audacity tonight. And, and you've been podcasting for a while now. You're actually an award-winning podcaster, aren't you? Yeah, my show, The Audacity to Podcast, won the award for number one tech podcast in 2012. And I've been podcasting since 2007, taking it seriously since 2009, though. And, and what is the difference between podcasting and taking it seriously? <laughs> the difference <laughs> is how much work I was doing in the first two years of my clean comedy podcast called The Ramen Noodle. That's where I get the Twitter handle from. And making an actual effort to put out episodes on a regular basis because in those first two years of podcasting i had nine episodes after that now i'm on episode 180 something of that podcast and i host three other podcasts myself 
So it's, it's a lot more serious now and I enjoy it a lot more now and get so much more out of it the more I put into it. Now, I know you said that you, you host other podcasts and you know, I said this to you before the show starts, you know, everybody here knows you as the guy from the audacity to podcast and you're also on podcasters Roundtable. but my wife and many people out there might know you as the guy from once upon a time podcast. How do you do it all? It's lots of time. Well, for one thing, I quit my job. <laughs> And I'm still trying to figure out how to make money from this. No, not trying to figure out. I am making money, slowly making money. I'm not one of those rich podcasters. But this is something that I love to do. And each one of these podcasts that I host, I wouldn't do if I didn't have a passion for these things. And like the Audacity podcast is a lot about education. And also it helps my business a lot. The Clean Comedy podcast, that's pure fun. And then the Once Upon a Time podcast is kind of in the middle where it's both some profit some branding, some business promotion, and a lot of fun also wrapped into it, talking about this TV show we enjoy. And I'm glad that you mentioned that word a couple of times because it, it's difficult, you know, even from our point of view here, you have to get a show out, you have to get show notes, you have to do the SEO, like all those hard things. Podcasting is about fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it needs to be because since it uses your voice, you cannot hide if you're not enjoying what you're doing. Absolutely. How did you get started with all this? It started when podcasting came out for iTunes back in 2005 with iTunes 4.9. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about podcasts. And so I just got on iTunes, the new version, and looked for what I was interested in that time, technology. And I found This Week in Tech and Jesus Geek. And I would listen to them. And I didn't have an iPod back then. I didn't have any kind of mobile multimedia player. So what I would actually do is I would take my laptop computer in the car with me and I'd have iTunes on that computer playing the podcast that way. Not the safest way to do it, certainly not the most portable, but that was my introduction to podcasts. And I realized while I was hearing Leo Laporte bring guests in back then, it was just Skype was pretty much the only option, but he would bring people in on Skype, record it, edit it, publish it on a website. And I realized I could do this. This sounds like a lot of fun, and the content is so much more engaging and interesting than what they're talking about on talk radio. I didn't like all the politics stuff. I didn't like local news and all the traffic and weather reports. I didn't care about that. I wanted content that was specific to my interests. And then somewhere around 2006, I think it was, I heard about another podcast that's now gone. I don't think you can even download it online, but it was called You Suck at Web Design, and it was... (laughs) basically embellished fictional stories from a web designer, but they were funny. And the way he told these stories were funny. And I realized this is a model I could follow. And I have funny stories. I like making people laugh. So maybe this is a way I could get into podcasting is have a clean comedy podcast. And thus the podcast, The Ramen Noodle, was born. Now, in the years since you've started, you said it was 2007. Has podcasting changed at all? I mean, technology advances and things like that, but but has podcasting really changed? Oh, yeah. It has changed so much. It's gotten a lot easier for people to get into podcasting. The industry as a whole has matured a lot more. Back then, it was really amateur hour. There were a lot of people who were complete amateurs doing this and didn't sound too great, but there were those people who you discovered undiscovered talent because they were great behind their microphone. And those are people who today, who have kept with it today, are finding great success. So what I see today is podcasting is now becoming a much more respected industry and an additional distribution method. It's not just internet radio, 
but it's something extra where there's radio, there's television, and there's podcasts and blogs and newspapers and magazines and all of these other things. So it's, it's I think, earning its place, especially as more celebrities are getting on board, more people are getting on board and making lots of money with it. Others are just having fun with it. And that's the cool thing is that someone can take this and treat it purely as a hobby, but grow a massive audience just from their hobby you can't really get that in many other ways so easily and so engaged as in podcasting. And I completely agree with that. And there are so many teachers out there that are going to be watching this show going, how do I do this? How do I get my kids on here? And just, you know, for those who are listening at the end of our show, we are going to have a segment on equipment because that's what people want to know. What kind of equipment should we buy? And I know whenever I get asked, I talk about professional equipment versus classroom equipment. So we're going to have a conversation like that at the end. But Daniel, I want to bring up a, a word that you just used. You used the word radio. In your opinion, what are we doing here? Are we creating a podcast? Are we creating a a vodcast? Are we creating a broadcast? Is this considered radio? What I mean, these words are all over the place. You know, podcast being iPod broadcast, but I don't see an iPod around here. What what are the words that are appropriate to be using for things like what we're doing right now? Well, podcast, radio, television, newspaper magazine, those are all descriptions of a particular kind of distribution method. So what we're creating right now is a show. For the people watching us live right now, they're not watching a live podcast because there is no such thing. A podcast, by definition, is episodic multimedia, video or audio generally, that is released through an RSS feed via the enclosure tag. We're not doing that right now, but people are watching a show live right now, and later they'll be downloading it via podcast. So podcast is one additional distribution method for shows. So we are all shows. Generally, talk show hosts is what we are, but there are different terms for it. I just don't like it when people mix terms to say it's an online radio, because that's like saying it is a motorcycle car. Or it just doesn't work. We're talking about two completely different things. It's a show. It's an internet show or podcast is the word that's the strongest. There are other terms out there people like to use like netcast and webcast, but podcast describes this. I think the word deserves to stay, but we need to remember we're actually creating shows, not just a particular distribution method. And you know, going forward here, people always ask, how do I do this? And that's really what we're here to talk about today. How do I create this? And we're going to talk a little bit about how you can create this in your classroom. And, you know, we have a, we have some administrators on today. Daniel's going to show us some free software called Audacity, something that you know, you know a little bit about this, don't you, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, I started the Audacity podcast, not just because I only wanted to talk about podcasting, but because I felt like, I, I'm sorry, flip that around. I did want to talk primarily about podcasting, but not just about audacity. So it's a really a double meaning with the the title. Mm -hmm. But I also realized back then no one was really talking specifically about audacity. They mention other things and say, oh yeah, you can probably do this in audacity. You can probably figure it out. Well, I wanted to be the guy who said, here's how you do it in audacity. I've now moved on to other software, but still I think audacity is a great place for everyone to start software wise because it's free. And it does what you need it to do for podcasting. And Thank God for the ramen noodle because there would be no House of Ed Tech because I, I produced my show with Audacity. Thanks to Daniel and his uh, 182 magical episodes. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's a question I have for you, Daniel, is, and I think this is something that a lot of innovative teachers uh, probably struggle with, too. When you started podcasting back in 2007, you were kind of an innovator at that time. There was not a lot of people podcasting. There were not a lot of people to turn to with the questions that came up as you were doing it. You know, now, you know, between yourself, Dave Jackson, and Cliff Ravenscraft, I've been able to figure out the pieces of my show to put it together and have it be successful. But what were the steps that you took when you first started in order to make sure that you were able to produce something that you felt comfortable releasing out to have everyone else listen to? Well, the steps, before you do any kind of project, you always need to start with a plan. Know what you want to do with this, what you want to accomplish, where you generally want to take it. That doesn't mean script everything out. In fact, don't script everything out. But like when I looked at how I did the ramen noodle when I first started it, I just decided, yeah, I'll just tell funny stories when I can think up something. We'll, we'll see how this goes. It didn't go very well for not for two years. But then when I started the Audacity to podcast, I had a plan of 35 different topics I wanted to cover for the upcoming episodes. And I'm still working off a list. Some of the things I mentioned in that first list, I still haven't covered yet because I keep adding to the list of things I want to do with the show where I want to take it. So that gives me a direction to be consistent. So if a week rolls around and I realize it's time to record or time to prepare an episode, I can look at my list and see, oh, that's one I'm ready to talk about now instead of trying to figure out what am I going to talk about. And you need to start then with a plan, but don't let that paralyze you by trying to make everything perfect before you start. So when you're looking at how to get started, like either in the classroom with your students or if you are a teacher looking to start or you're just wanting to do this as a hobby, the main things that you need, and we'll talk about some of the specifics with the equipment in a bit, but you need a microphone of some sort and a website of some sort. The, the most important part of your website is that it generates an RSS feed. Easiest way to do this is with your own self-hosted site powered by WordPress. That's the free version that you install on your own site. But you can also do this through Blogger, through WordPress.com, through TypePad, through any site that creates an RSS feed. So what you would do is you create that website through wherever it is that you create it. We're skipping over a lot of steps here for this. <laughs> but it is pretty easy to do. And many of these places like WordPress.com and Blogger are free. So you don't have to worry if you're not sure you want to do this long term, you don't have to worry about putting out a lot of money up front. But you create a blog, really. That's how a podcast starts, is with a blog. The only difference between a blog and a podcast is a podcast has audio files attached to each of the blog posts. So you have a blog post, have your title of your episode, maybe a couple show notes, some links, images, a paragraph describing what you talk about. You record your episode, edit it together, upload an MP3 file to somewhere. If you're just starting out and you need something for free or you want to work with your students, and archive.org is a great place to be able to host your media. It doesn't cost anything. You can host it there for eternity, practically. And then you paste a link to that in a blog post. Your blogging software, WordPress.com, Blogger, whatever it is you use, will give you an RSS feed. Take that, put it into FeedBurner, and this is the one and only case where I recommend FeedBurner. And then you turn on a SmartCast feature in FeedBurner. And what that does is SmartCast will take a regular RSS feed from Blogger, WordPress.com, or even WordPress.org, 
sites where you're hosting on your own hosting like Bluehost or HostGator, but the SmartCast feature in FeedBurner will turn that regular RSS feed into a podcast RSS feed with the information that iTunes and other podcast directories need. So then you have a new RSS feed address. That's what you submit to iTunes. And the RSS is how subscribers get your information. RSS stands for Rich Site Summary, or it's commonly referred to as really simple syndication. It's a way that you just publish on your website. The RSS feed is automatically updated, and all of your subscribers automatically receive the newest episode. So everything comes back to that RSS, and there are more steps in the process, but that's the basic overview of how you get started, and you can do it for free or almost free. Daniel, I have a question for you. I have somebody who recently asked about starting a podcast using WordPress.com. Now, um, you know, we're all WordPress.org people. We know about the, the Blueberry uh, PowerPress plugin. Is there something like that on the .com site for hosting audio? Not quite. And just so we're clear here, the difference between .com and .org, what we're talking about is WordPress.org is where you install it on your own website, like HostGator, Bluehost, DreamHost, something like that. .com is where they are hosting it. So because they are hosting it, you get a limited uh, capabilities as far as what you can do on your website. You can install plugins and extensions, the stuff you need. What you do get is if you link to an audio file in a blog post with a WordPress.com website, it will put in a little audio player in that blog post. That's nice, but it's not actually making a podcast RSS feed for you. So that's where FeedBurner comes in. FeedBurner takes your regular RSS feed that has a media file just mentioned in the blog post, a direct link to it. And FeedBurner's SmartCast feature takes that link, turns it into an enclosure, and then that's what feeds it out. So as of right now, WordPress.com doesn't have podcasting features built in, but I wouldn't be surprised if that comes in the next, I'd say year or two. Think it's going to be that long? It's not going to be one of those 4.0 things coming up? Uh, I don't know, because WordPress.org, the software you install, is the one that really goes through the versions, mm -hmm. and that's like 4.0 is that. And I don't think podcasting is something they'll really put into that, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if podcasting is something that they put into .com and maybe eventually makes its way through the self-hosted version.org via maybe the Jetpack plugin because mm -hmm. they're putting a lot of .com kind of functionality into Jetpack. So, and they know many podcasters start out on WordPress.com. So I wouldn't be surprised if they make that move within the next year. Nice. So before Sam starts his new podcast called the Garage Band to Podcast, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about the free version on the Windows called Audacity. Um, give us a little bit of a tour. Can you, get, could, could you do a little screencast for us there, Daniel? Yeah, Audacity, so you uh, understand, Audacity is free audio editing software, and it's available on OS X, that's for Mac computers, on Windows, and on Linux. Completely free, you can get it at audacity.sourceforge.net, or if you just search Audacity, it's probably the first thing to come up. And it's audio editing software, and it's a blank canvas when you first start it, like I did here. But the main things that you need to know is that working with audio is kind of like working with text, a word processor. If you've ever edited a document or an email, if you've ever cut, copied, or pasted anything, then you have the skills it takes to edit a podcast. So I'll just give you a quick run through here on how the basics of this works. So I'll start by recording a short sequence. One, 
two, <coughs> three. Now, I have my three numbers here, but I also have this cough in. So what I'm looking at is a visual representation of audio. In general, the thicker the line is, the louder the audio is, the thinner it is, the quieter it is. In general, it's not completely like that. This is a visual representation of the dynamics of the audio. So, but in general, that's how it works. So you can see I have this cough that got pretty loud at this point here. And the way this works, if I want to do my editing, is I just click and drag across something I want to edit. And with this example, I had the uh, cough in here. So all I want to do is delete that. So I wonder if there's a button on my keyboard that's, oh yeah, there it is, delete. Or it might be backspace on your keyboard. So I just deleted that. If, for example, I accidentally said one, three, two, and I needed it to be one, two, three, then the same thing applies with the Word document applies here where I select what I want to move. I cut it, which on a Mac would be Command X, on Windows and Linux would be Control X. And I move my cursor to where I want it to show up. And I press Command V or Control V and it pastes it. So now I have my sequence in exactly the order I want. I can do some little trims and remove some silences in between. That's the basics of how it works that I'm doing the same kinds of things to the audio that I would do to a text document, just cut, copy, paste, and delete stuff that I don't want in there. And you'll start to actually recognize certain things like an um or a cough. You'll start to learn how that looks so you can easily see it to remove it if you want to get that detailed. So Daniel, I mean, you went into this uh, Audacity program and you had a blank slate like you mentioned. Is there anything that you need to configure prior to actually recording that you know a teacher or a student would need to have prepped beforehand uh, so that it's not an epic failure when they sit down with their students to try and do this? Well, of course you need Audacity installed on your computer sure. and for the sake of ease and convenience, I recommend that you also go to the Audacity website and download and install the lame mp3 encoder it's not that it's horrible it's just <laughs> lame that's l-a-m-e it's all caps so make sure that you install that that'll give you the ability to make mp3s but what you need to do then once you're ready to record is make sure you have a microphone on your computer some computers like desktop computers don't have a microphone at all laptop computers usually have something built in the most important thing with any kind of microphone, even if it's a super cheap microphone that came free with your computer or it's built in, is get close to that microphone. The farther you are away from the microphone, the more room noise and echo it will pick up. It's just like the difference between when you're talking to someone on the phone and they're holding the phone to their head versus when they're on speakerphone. It's always much harder to hear them when they're on speakerphone. So get closer to your microphone and talk into the microphone, talk kind of across it. But in Audacity, what you need to do is you need to choose what device will be used to record and what, how many channels it will be recording. For voice, you only need one channel, so it would be mono. In Audacity, the newest versions, you'll have a toolbar that's dedicated to this, and it has something where it might say core audio or direct sound or something else. It has a speaker icon, microphone icon, and a couple drop-down menus. The main things you need to set are the speaker is where the sound comes out of your computer if you want to hear your audio played back after you record it. 
But the microphone icon is the most important one. That's where you're choosing which microphone you're going to use as your recording device. So if you plug in like a USB microphone, then you need to make sure that Audacity is set to use that USB microphone. Like I've got several options here for a couple of different USB devices and some software devices. So I would want to select the one that applies to what I'm using. The microphone I'm talking through right now happens to be plugged into the built-in input on my computer. So I have that option selected. And then for your channels, you might have mono or stereo as options. You All you need for voice is mono because you're not recording left and right. You don't need that kind of dynamic in a podcast. So just set that up to mono and try a test record. Press the record button, make sure that you see your voice coming in like I can see mine here. And you need to make sure that it's a somewhat thick line like this. If it's extremely thin, then you know it's not picking up very much volume. Maybe you need to talk a little bit louder. Maybe you need to get a little closer to the microphone. Or up here you have two volume sliders. One is a slider for the speakers. The other is a slider for the microphone. I suggest you put that slider at somewhere around 80% for the microphone. You might need to increase that if you're too quiet or decrease it if you're too loud. One of the things that you can do to know if your recording is coming in too loud is go to the view menu and enable the option that's show clipping. And what this will do, I'm going to make a loud clap into the microphone after I count down to three, two, one. But what this will do is it will highlight a spot where the audio got too loud. So let's see if I can even do this. Three, two, one. Yeah, so you see that little red spike there. Now that was a very short sound, but if I'm way too loud in my microphone, that red spot would be a lot bigger. Like if I just amplify this, just for the sake of demonstration, you'll see how now that shows a bad recording. The more red you see, the worse the recording is, and it won't sound very good when you play it back. Very but cool. that's basically how you get in and make sure that everything is connected and double check these steps every time you start a recording because one of the worst things that can happen is you think you're talking into the right microphone, but it turns out it recorded a microphone at the other side of the room and you <laughs> lost the recording basically from that. Daniel, that's a really good segue into a question that I know a lot of people have been asking. Um, one of the ways in which teachers are getting students to record are literally bringing in a cart full of laptops and using something like Audacity to, or in order to record students podcasting, recording their conversations. But inevitably, that leaves us with you know 20 or so students recording what's going on in one classroom, which you know is total mayhem in terms of a recording. Uh, do you have any suggestions or tips um, that would kind of eliminate some of that just background noise uh, and isolate a little bit more into one computer recording just maybe one or two students talking? Yeah, as much as possible, try and separate yourself physically, distance-wise, separate yourself from whatever other thing is generating the noise. It could be a fellow classmate, it could be an air conditioner or a fan or something like that that's generating a lot of noise. Try to move yourself away from that and closer to the microphone. Like, I'll do a little example here. Right now, I'm about... Uh, about a hand width away from the microphone. That's about four to six inches. That's a good distance in general. But what I'm going to do is I'll move my microphone away from my face and 
to for you to be able to still hear me I have to turn up the gain and you're going to hear the consequence of this so as I move this away and now I'm I'm much farther from the microphone but you can probably hear a lot more noise in the background my voice yeah. sounds a lot worse and if I start snapping around that's going to make it into the recording a lot more than if I was closer hmm. so the idea is the closer you get to the microphone and not like right on it, eating the microphone, you don't want to be too close because that's where pops and stuff like that make it into your recording. And I have fancy equipment here, but you can avoid some of this just simply by talking past the microphone, not directly into it. But the more you try to distance yourself from the noisemakers and get closer to your microphone, then that means you can turn down your recording volume, your input volume and it's picking up less noise around you. Like think of a bubble. The higher you set your recording input volume, the bigger that bubble is. So the more noise is included inside of that bubble. But if you have the volume lower and you're closer into the microphone, then that's where the microphone will pick up a smaller amount. Best thing is though to eliminate background noise is eliminate it before it gets into the microphone. There are some things you can do in your recording but that can also distort your recording a little bit. Excellent. And so is that more equipment-based, would you say? I mean, granted, we don't have the budgets in the schools to go out and buy the Heil PR40s there, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure that there's equipment that you would recommend, and I know this is probably getting into more of an equipment discussion that Jeff was talking about earlier, but is there are there pieces of equipment that you would recommend better than perhaps just, you know, that five or $20 microphone or the microphone that's built into just the laptop itself. Yeah, if you're talking about working with students, uh, then the idea here is you need a lot of microphones and it needs to be cheap. If every student needs their own microphone, now one thing that you could do in a classroom is maybe you could alternate it. So not every student is recording at the same time, but maybe you have each person who's recording is three chairs away from the next person who's recording. So that's a technique you can use regardless of what microphone you have. So if you're working with students and they're not looking to make a high quality professional presentation, then really any microphone can work. You could, the best thing to work with would be something where it does take the microphone away from the computer. So not a built-in microphone, but you can get those little cheap stick microphones for five, ten dollars. You can find them in garage sales. People sometimes just throwing them away. And that can work. My first few episodes of The Ramen Noodle were actually recorded on that. The main thing to get good quality out of a cheap microphone is your technique. Get close to the microphone and talk past the microphone, not directly into it. Because if you're talking directly into it, that's where it picks up all of your p -p 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 sounds, the plosives. So technique can really make up for a bad microphone. That's what you can do with your students. If you're the teacher and you want to create a podcast or someone else who wants something a little bit higher quality, then a great place to start would be the Audio-Technica ATR2100 USB microphone or the Audio-Technica AT2005 microphone. These are both essentially the same microphones. Just pick whichever one is cheaper at that time. Right now, it's the 2005 instead of the 2100. But both of these microphones have USB plugs. So you can plug them directly into your Windows, Linux, or OS X computer, and they work really well for that. And they sound really well too. They even come with a little stand. And if you ever get to the point where you need to upgrade to professional audio equipment, like a mixer and such, 
you can keep the microphone. That's a disadvantage with the popular microphones out there like headsets or blue ball, blue snowball microphones or anything like that is you pretty much have to throw them away if you ever upgrade to professional equipment. But with the ATR2100 or the AT2005, you can keep it and it has what's called an XLR plug. It's a professional audio cable and you can connect that into a mixer someday. So that's what you would do if you want to go a little bit higher quality and that's around $50. And that could be the only thing that you pay for for your podcast is just that $50 microphone and you could still have something very high quality. And I want to definitely echo what uh, Daniel was saying there. We just got back from a big ed tech uh, conference called ISTE and I had my my mobile setup, which my mobile setup was for two, uh, Audio-Technica 2005 mics. And it was interesting because I, I don't know if you remember this, but while I was packing, you and Ray and Dave were doing your show on mobile podcasting. So I was actually uh -huh. picking up a lot of the tricks and stuff that you guys were talking about. But what I did was I took the 2005 and I got a converter, which was able to go from XLR into a headphone jack. And I plugged that right into my iPad. And I was actually running around the vendor floor with my iPad and my and my AT2005 mic, and that worked out perfectly. The other thing that you can get with an iPad or some other tablets, even your iPhone, is it's sometimes called a camera connection kit, but it's a, it's a USB adapter for your smart mobile device. Like Apple makes these for the iOS devices, but you can actually plug in the microphone via USB into these devices too. So that can be even another option for recording your podcast. If you're in the classroom, you're somewhere else, you can work with tablets or with iPod touches or with uh, iOS or Android devices. Is there a quality difference? I mean, I've seen a lot of schools go with the snowballs and maybe they've put it in the ceiling so it kind of hangs down. That way they get that 360 of just being able to record a classroom. I mean, they're not looking to podcast. They're just looking to audio record. Is there a quality that we should be worrying about? Yeah, the main thing, and I know that we're working with students and mm -hmm. students could mean kids or adults, but the main thing is make sure whatever is being said can be clearly heard, even if it's video, especially if it's video. Audio is always the most important thing because we're communicating with our voices. So if you're in a classroom and you need to get the interaction of the students while you're teaching and you're turning that into a podcast, then a trick that you could do, depending on your equipment, but if you have the ability to record in stereo and put one audio input on the left side and one on the right side, that gives you a split. So you could have the teacher's microphone be on the left and the classroom microphone be on the right. Don't publish it that way because that will drive people absolutely crazy trying to listen with both ears that way. Because some people will only listen with one earpiece in. So you want to make sure that everything is flattened to mono. But what it gives you is control where what you could have is as long as you as the teacher are speaking only your channel is playing. The other channel is completely muted. So that way you're not picking up chairs moving around or coughs or just the, the hum of the room. And then when a student asks a question or answers something, says something, and the microphone picks it up, then you can mute your track 
and raise the volume of that track. It's just like it starts to sound complicated, but it's just like if you're adjusting the radio while you're in the car, if you still listen to the radio, then you're adjusting the volume level depending on how much you want to hear something or how loud something else is going on. Like if the person next to you in the car starts talking, you turn down the radio. You're pretty much doing that same thing with Audacity or other software where you're turning up one volume, turning down another. That way you can hear the thing that's most important more prominently. But it always comes back to as much as possible, get closer to the microphone. So hanging a microphone from a ceiling to capture the entire classroom is one way you could do it. Another way that you could do it, depending on how the classroom is set up and depending on the age of the student's maturity level and a lot of other things, is maybe have the microphone sitting out in the middle of the room and you tell your students, walk up to the microphone and ask your question or answer into it. It's hmm. a good suggestion too. Daniel, could you talk a little bit about and maybe show us here on Audacity some of the exporting features? Because a lot of people can go in and, and hit the record button, but there's so many different things to talk about when it comes to exporting. I mean, there's bitrate, there's MP3 versus WAV versus... Give us a little bit of background about this and what we should be looking for when we export our video. Yeah, there are many ways to do this. And the way I'm about to show you is not necessarily the best way but it is the simpler way, and that's what you need as a student and as a teacher is something that's simpler, something that does get the job done, and it's not going to do it in a horrible way. So let's pretend this is our complete podcast recording here. We need to export this. So first thing is, whenever you start editing, always save your project. Save early, save often. Uh, even Jesus saves. So always make sure that you save. Then go to the File menu and choose Export. We're going to turn this audio project into an audio file that you can then distribute on the internet. Now, when you've installed the lame MP3 encoder, you'll have the option to be able to set MP3 as your format inside of Audacity. I don't think I have, oh yeah, I do have it on here. So what I've set in here is you'll probably start by seeing something like this. Your format is set to uncompressed files or it might be something else. Change that to MP3 and type in the name of your episode or however you want and press the options button. This can seem overwhelming here, the options that you get with all of your different things here, but you don't have to understand completely what's going on. Just remember these numbers and this information is you want to be constant bitrate, 64 kilobits per second, and joint stereo. What this is going to end up doing is it will give us an audio file that is basically mono, but will be at a reasonable audio quality. If, if you listen to it and it sounds like when you saved the MP3, it didn't work quite so well, then you might want to double the 64 kilobits per second to 128. In fact, this is this is pretty much a good standard here in joint stereo. So constant bitrate mode, 128 kilobits per second, and joint stereo. Then when you save that, you get an, an MP3 file. Uh, this will ask you for any specific tags that you want, but we don't need to enter these right now. Now this is saying that I don't have Lame installed on my computer, but that's okay. That's why you'd want to install it on yours. So when you export this, then you have an MP3 file that you can bring into iTunes 
add what are called tags or edit the information where you're saying what's the name of the episode, the artist, the name of the podcast would be the album. You can drag a picture onto it. And then that MP3 file is what you upload to archive.org or whatever your media host is where you're hosting just your multimedia files. Hmm. Easy. <laughs> Daniel, quick question. I've, I've just been sitting here admiring and learning. As, as I said, I do follow the Audacity to podcast. So again, in the episodes you've produced, I have uh, learned how to do what I'm doing only in only 15 episodes. Um, but, but as a teacher, what would you recommend for, I'm a teacher, I'm, I'm going into school tomorrow. I saw this episode. How would you start? Well, it would depend on what the needs are. But the main way to start is have a plan. Decide what you want to do. Is this a podcast for your uh, students? Is this a podcast for your students' parents? Is this a podcast for the entire school? Is it a podcast for everybody's parents? Is it for the school district? Know what this is for. And that can really set the quality levels and expectations that this needs to be. In general, the more mature and the larger the audience you expect for your show, the higher your quality should generally be. So if you're wanting to start tomorrow, what I recommend is work with what you have as much as possible. Get a microphone somewhere in the school. There's probably a microphone, even if it means going into the school announcement room, plugging <laughs> your laptop computer into the microphone that they have there. That might work better than using your built-in microphone, but get a recording know what you want to do with this episode too. Don't just start by saying, hi, I'm Jim and I have no idea what this show will be about, but this is episode one. So thanks for listening, but know what you want to do. Create, always look to create something of value and think about how you can make it either helpful or entertaining for people. So to start out, get a microphone. If, if you have to start right away and you have no time to prepare, then use whatever you can that's available to you. If you have a little bit of time, buy the ATR2100 or the AT2005 microphones. That'll give you a really good microphone to start with. Get Audacity, get familiar with how to record and edit your audio in Audacity and record that episode, post it online, tell people about it once it's available, tell people about it before it's available so they know to look for it, to know that this cool thing is coming. Start building an audience ahead of time, even if it's just for your students, you can start telling your students, hey, everybody, make sure that you have a podcast app on your phone, on your iPod, on whatever device that you use. Make sure you have some way to download podcasts because in one week, in two days, and whatever the time is, I'm going to have this podcast and you'll really want to listen to it and I'll need you to listen to it for such and such reason. So start educating people on getting the podcast even before it's available. Daniel, you mentioned get it online, and I think that that's one of the places that people get stuck too, and it's a place that we typically tend to glance over too, like, oh, everyone should know how to get this online. You mentioned some great tools like archive.org and uh, wordpress.org in terms of the uh, hosting platform and the method with which to generate your RSS feed. What is the Daniel J. Lewis method that you would suggest to someone who has virtually no budget um, but would like to get 
let's call it just a standard weekly podcast out to the web. Yeah, if you've got no budget whatsoever, then it would be <laughs> those tools that I recommended. Use WordPress.com to host your website, run the RSS feed through FeedBurner, host your multimedia files on archive.org, and then connect those pieces together by the methods that I already described. That's the cheap and free, really, way to start off. The way I'd recommend, if you've got a little bit more money to spend, is get your own website and a domain through a company like Bluehost or HostGator or use whatever affiliate link, if TeacherCast has any, use whatever hosting program that they recommend because it probably supports WordPress. WordPress is so ubiquitous these days that almost everybody can run WordPress on their own site. So for sure. maybe 60 to to $100 per year, you get your own website, your own domain name. So instead of telling someone to go to myawesomepodcast.wordpress.com, you tell them go to myawesomepodcast.com. And you could maybe slip under the radar hosting your MP3 files with them or still host your MP3 files with archive.org. That's a good way to start out and it not cost too much money, but still give you something that gives you a lot more control and a lot more professional approach. Daniel, what about some free sources? I mean, can you host your audio episodes on Dropbox or on Google Drive? Are those ver valid points? You can. Just as much, and I like what a friend of mine says, just as much as you can paint with peanut butter. It's not a really good idea, though, because Dropbox, for example, does meet the technical requirements of iTunes and other podcast platforms. And I won't go into what those are, but it does meet them. The problem is Dropbox and Google Drive have not only usability problems for you as a podcaster, because just getting the direct download link to your file, not the link that takes you to the page where you can click download, but the actual direct link to that file, just getting that can be a huge hassle with those platforms and really confusing about where to get that and how it works. But So that's one problem. The other problem is some of these platforms have certain limitations, like Dropbox, for example, won't allow more than 10 gigabytes downloaded per day. Now, 10 gigabytes sounds like a lot, but let's let break that down. Let's say you have an audio podcast episode that is... Uh, we'll say 50 megabytes in size. So 50 megabytes, and we'll work with simple numbers here, not the true megabytes where it's 1024 and all of that. But we'll say 50 megabytes is your audio, and you get 1,000 or 10,000 megabytes of bandwidth per day for Dropbox. So that means for one episode, it can only be downloaded no more than 200 times in one day. That's one episode. Imagine you have five episodes available. That means you can't get any more than 200 downloads per day. As soon as you hit that limit, Dropbox will lock your account. No one else can download it. And if you keep hitting this limit or they see that you're kind of abusing what Dropbox and Google Drive are intended for, then they could shut down your account and forbid you from using it completely. So it's... It is something that can work, but it's really not a good idea. If you want to use something free, if you have to make it free, use archive.org. It will be slow. The downloads from archive.org are 
slower than through a dedicated media host like Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, or Blueberry without the E's. Either of those are dedicated media hosts and they're really fast. Archive.org is slow, but it can work and it works a lot better than Dropbox, Google Drive, and some of these other places that aren't that reputable. Let's just go back and hit a couple of things. You're saying the word download. Are you physically saying downloading the show or does a download mean like, for instance, the Apple podcasting app can stream a show but not necessarily physically download the media into your iPhone? Yeah, great question. It is everything. If you are getting the information from the Internet, you are essentially downloading it. It doesn't matter if you stream it where you're getting a range of bytes at a time, like 10% at a time or 1%, anything like that, you are downloading it in that case. If you download the whole file at one time, you're still downloading it. If you have a link to the podcast episode and people can go to your website and press a play button to listen to it, that is also a download. It's transferring the information from wherever that file is hosted to whoever it is that wants it. So anything like that can count as a download. And depending on how the person is downloading it, there might be ways that it it's calculated more than once and it uses more bandwidth and such. And bandwidth is how much basically you can put out there. So a download is pretty much any time anyone requests to listen to that audio file. Guys, we're running out of time here. We have a lot of questions going on here. Um, I don't know how to end on this. Um, Daniel, we obviously would love to have you come back on and, and share some more stuff. Um, guys, uh, let's just do one last round of questions here before we have to wrap things up here. Sure. Um, I can start just because it kind of leads in from what we were just talking about. So Daniel, if you did have, you know, that hundred, hundred and fifty dollars a year or whatever it may be, um, does it make sense to work with something like a Bluehost where you can get a hosting plan for 3 to $4 a month and then also couple that with something like Libsyn, which is $5 a month, and you get that $50 or 50 megabyte uh, upload per month, and you're able to kind of build your shows upon that and have that kind of, um, I don't know, more of a back-ended support from Libsyn than you would from archive.org or the risk of losing your account with Dropbox or Google Drive. Do you see that as being a good way to utilize that $150 using something like a Bluehost and a uh, Libsyn? Yeah, that gives you the most control. It's the most professional approach to this and the most sure way that you're not going to violate any plans or any limits or anything like that. And that is where you run your website through Bluehost, HostGator, something like that. That is your website. You have WordPress installed on it. And then you are hosting just your media files somewhere else. Because if you host them at the same place you host your website, it could slow down your website. You might run into bandwidth limits. You might get kicked off, anything like that. And Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, is one place to host your media files. And that's what they're designed to do, just host your media files. They can also create your RSS feed. They can create a basic blog-style website for your podcast. But I recommend running your own WordPress site. That way you get a lot more control and freedom over what you do with that site. But that is the ultimate way to go, is where you're hosting your own website, you have full control of it, and you're hosting your media with a dedicated media host. And I have a promo code. It's Noodle, N-O-O-D-L-E, if you sign up for either Libsyn or Blueberry. 
for their media hosting. And that will give you a free month at least. But that's the ultimate way to do it. That's the way I do it and many of the professional podcasters do. But if you're just starting out, you're, you have to do this for free. You have no budget and it's only for a small group of people. Then go ahead and go the free route. Awesome. Chris, got one more question here? Yes, I do. Daniel, um, let's say you're a little podcaster with a biweekly show that may or may not be called the House of EdTech and it's currently <laughs> may or may not be hosted on Google Drive. Um, would you... <laughs> What would you pick, Libsyn or Blueberry? It depends on what you want to do with your workflow. I like Libsyn because, especially as you get in the larger hosting plans with Libsyn, you get more megabytes per dollar. And the way it works is that you pay for a certain amount, is, and that's the monthly maximum you can upload per month. So if it says 50 megabytes, that's not your total lifetime limit. That's just for this calendar month, you can't upload any more than 50 megabytes. They give decent stats, but the workflow is a little bit bigger with Libsyn. That's where you have to go to Libsyn, upload your file to them, or you upload it through FTP, and then you come back to your WordPress website and you link to that file. If you use Blueberry, then you get great stats right from their lowest plan. The lowest Libsyn plan doesn't include any stats whatsoever. It costs an extra couple dollars for that. So you're talking $7 a month minimum there. If you go to Blueberry, you're at $10 per month. You get 100 megabytes and you get great stats. And the cool thing with Blueberry is if you're using the PowerPress plugin, and we're talking about your own self-hosted site with like Bluehost or something, you use the PowerPress plugin for WordPress, which is a free plugin to make podcasting possible with WordPress. Blueberry PowerPress integrates with Blueberry Media Hosting and Blueberry Stats. So it would give you the ability to upload your media, tag your MP3 files with ID3 tags, and that's a separate technical issue, but just know this. You would be able to tag your ID3 tags and manage your media hosting and your RSS feed and your show notes and everything about your podcast from just your WordPress site, even your stats you'd be able to see on your WordPress site. So Blueberry keeps everything inside of WordPress and makes it much easier. Libsyn gets it outside of WordPress. It's a little more flexible and it's a little less expensive. And the same promo code Noodle works on either of those services. We'll certainly make sure that we have uh, that promo code in our show notes over at the new techeducatorpodcast.com. Please make sure you check it out. I'm hearing an echo, guys. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, but anyway, why are we suddenly getting an echo? Is this your Lou Gehrig tribute? <laughs> right. Um, not sure. Um, Hmm. Quick question before we wrap up, Jeff. Um, yeah. Daniel, what do you know about iPadio? One of our uh, listeners that's listening right now live on the chat is asking us about iPadio. Have you heard about that at all? Uh, iPadio, is that with a D or with a T? Uh, with a D as in dog or Daniel. Uh, but essentially it looks like you're able to use a cell phone call and stream it live to the web as almost like a quick way of recording and then broadcasting. Have yeah, you heard I, about that at all? I don't recommend anything that uses a phone call. Like Blog Talk Radio is very popular for this, and it sounds like iPadio works the same way. Because the thing is, if you're using a phone call, 
then it's instantly lowering your quality a lot. And people can tolerate the quality of a phone call when they're making a phone call. <laughs> That's pretty <Right>. much it. <laughs> People are learning to become audio snobs and not just the sake of the quality of the audio, but how well can they hear you and understand you? Sure. Can they listen sure. to you well while they're driving the car, while they're mowing the yard, anything like that? There are certain podcasts I can't listen to while I'm mowing the yard because they're too far from the microphone. And while I'm mowing that really noisy environment, I can't hear them. So anything that uses a phone call, I highly recommend against using that. You can use it as an additional place to distribute your media or use certain features like live call-ins, but I don't recommend it as your primary distribution or especially as your way of recording your episodes. You can use your smartphone, like just use the audio memo app or some voice recorder on it, but don't use a phone call service to record your podcast. Well, record. Daniel, we're, we certainly appreciate you saying that on today's show. Um, where can we get a hold of you and where can we learn more about the great stuff that's happening on, uh, on the Noodle Network? Yeah, I run my own podcast about how to launch or improve your own podcast over at theaudacitytopodcast.com. I talk about primarily about podcasting, but also have a lot of content over there about how to use Audacity. And I have products and services, consulting services, products for podcasters and such to help you podcast. So that's all at theaudacitypodcast.com. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at the ramen noodle. Besides that, if you want to contact me directly, then my contact information is there on the website, theaudacitypodcast.com, as well as the links to all of the other podcasts that I host and other stuff that's on Noodle Mix Network. Just across the top bar of the website, you'll see the list of the other podcast categories. And Daniel, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, you run a show called the Once Upon a Time podcast, and there's a lot of stuff coming out about uh, Frozen characters coming out. And I even understand that the Magic Mirror is coming back. What are you looking forward to in episode in uh, season four here? Well, boy, the writers really have set themselves up for a lot of expectations here because people have fallen in love with Elsa and with Frozen. And some people just need to let it go, if you know what I mean. And so did the writers fall in love with her. And that's why they decided to include her. So we expect to see definitely we're going to see Elsa in the third season. Uh, spoiler, by the way, if you haven't caught up, uh, I'm sorry, in the fourth <laughs> season. But what I really want to see is I want to see them pull the famous quotes from the movie and use them in this. Like, I, we need to hear, we have to hear someone say, let it go, or don't hold it back anymore. Love is an open door, anything like that. We need to hear them do that. It would be awesome, and this would be a good opportunity for them to do it even. It would be awesome if they do one musical episode. A lot of the cast can sing and they have great singing talents and bands and stuff. But that's why I'm hoping for like the fun side on the, uh, the more plot driven side, because it's a very interesting show and lots to theorize about. I want to see them have a plan for and bring us toward wrapping this up in an amazing way, not just like the villain of the month or the villain of the season, but really giving us this overall story arc. They've said they know how they're going to end this. I want mm. to know when that is so that they can make their complete story arc. I expect five, maybe six seasons. Certainly looking forward to it. Robin is the mother. What was that? I hope that doesn't mean that Robin is the mother come the end of this show too. 
<laughs> we, we certainly look forward to, to, to all those shows coming out. Um, Daniel, thank you so much. Uh, please consider it an open invite to come on. And, uh, you know, we would love to talk more about Audacity. And we'd love to talk more about podcasting. We have a lot of great people here watching on the show. And, uh, you know, we get stuff over at feedback at teachercast.net every week about how to do things and how it runs. So, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. I had fun. Guys, I want to wrap up now. For those of you out there watching live, we've got something interesting going to be happening. Today is the beginning of what we're going to call the TeacherCast Trifecta. We just got done having our Tech Educator podcast. And next, we're going to have a great new podcast from Mr. Brad Gustafson, who you, uh, you might know, who was a, a guest on the Principal Cast podcast. He's got a new show debuting here tonight in a few moments here and then of course uh very shortly at 8 15 we're going to be having the principal cast come on with uh spike and Teresa and jessica so for everybody here on the tech educator podcast check out our brand new website we're still in the middle of working on it but check it out over at teachercast.net uh we have some great things going on there on behalf of everybody here on the teacher cast broadcasting network my name is jeff bradbury thank you so much have a great week and enjoy the rest of the summer folks Bye bye